as we look to the Word of God in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. This might not immediately strike you as a Christmas or as an Advent text, but I think you'll see as we work through it how it, uh, how it does offer that kind of meaning for us today. So I, we'll go back actually into the context and pick it up, I believe, at, um, at verse 16. Matthew chapter 11, verse 16 says, to what, and this is Jesus speaking, to what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others, we played the pipe for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you didn't mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. Uh, the son of man came eating and drinking and they say, well, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But Wisdom is proven right by her deeds. And so Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they didn't repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it'll be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have been remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Harsh words. And then we see a, a change of tone here in verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. So we've been working through this Advent season today. Uh, we come to this idea that of our longing for rest and the provision of rest that our God promises us. So Lord, speak to us. Uh, we pray through this text, through these ideas and concepts offered in your word. Uh, may we hear what you're saying. May we take it in. May it form us and uh, become powerful for us as we deal with the, the pressures and challenges, burdens, 
of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I don't know about you. I'll just be honest. I could use a rest. Anybody with me here this morning? (laughs) Show of hands. (laughs) I I could use a rest. I mean, it's been, I I was thinking about it this morning. It's been a long year. I I, I mean, I was thinking the last few weeks have, have been really hectic and busy and crazy as it always is this time of year, and then I started scrolling back. Well, actually, you know, it's not just been the last few days, not just been the last few weeks, it's been the last few months. And and then I think back a little bit further, well, this summer was crazy, and then before that, you know, it's been a year for me, at least, and my wife, of intense uh, pressure and opportunity and responsibility and so many great things we've been able to enjoy and experience, but all of them bringing a certain amount of pressure and challenge and, and, and even stress. And I am just ready for a rest. You with me? <laughs> I tell you, I, I have, you know how bad it is? And I'm not proud of this. I'm just going to tell you, though, <laughs> I have been counting the days till this very moment. Because I looked at my calendar and I realized that this sermon here that I was going to be presenting to you today, this is the last major responsibility that I know of (laughs) that I have to deal with in 2018. And I saw it coming on the calendar. I mean, there, there are things, but in terms of a really big one, this is the last one. And I thought if I can just hang on, if I could just hang on and get here till December 16th, about 25 minutes from now, <laughs> you know, I'll get some rest, you know. And I'm telling you, I'm going back, I'm going back, I'm just going to predict what's happening. This, I think, you know, the plan is this afternoon when I'm done and say goodbye to all of you, we all go, I'm going home and I'm going to have a nap. Because <laughs> I could use a rest. It's hard sometimes. You get tired, even with good things. It's tiring. Could use a rest. I, this, um, this text means something to me here today. <laughs> and perhaps it can mean something to you as well. It, put me, it puts me in mind, especially this time of year, of that carol that we sang earlier. And I got to thank you, Patricia and Lass and the team, for the way you played that, because that was fun. <laughs> you know, God rest you, merry gentlemen and gentlewomen. <laughs> Let nothing you dismay. Nothing you dismay. It's an old carol, actually. Yeah, some people have suggested that it might be. I don't know how they prove this. I don't think they can prove this, but some have suggested that it might actually be one of or maybe even the oldest carol that we have. It's described back around uh, the year 1800 as, as one of the few carols that was put in print every year. The first, uh, the first testimony we have of this carol actually in in print or in literature actually comes in Dickens in his uh, famous story that we celebrate this time of year, A Christmas Carol. Can I read you just a little bit of this? I I knew you'd want me to. (laughs) Uh, This is from A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens. uh, Foggier yet and colder, piercing, searching, 
biting cold. If the good Saint Dunstan had but nipped the evil spirit's nose with a touch of such weather as that, instead of using his familiar weapons, then indeed uh, he would have roared to lusty purpose. The owner of one scant nose gnawed and mumbled by the hungry cold as bones are gnawed by dogs. Oh. <laughs> stooped down at Scrooge's keyhole to regale him with a Christmas carol. But at the first sound of God bless you, merry gentlemen, may nothing you dismay. Scrooge seized the ruler with such energy of action that the, that the singer fled in terror leaving the keyhole to the fog and even more congenial frost. Bah, humbug. <laughs> uh, I've heard some expressions, you know, in the broader Christian, uh, or, sorry, Christmas dialogue, uh, you know, in our city here in recent days. I've heard people complaining, literally complaining, about the endless, the seemingly endless number of Christmas plays and concerts at school and such that uh, they have to attend. I heard a guy on the radio complaining about the uh, interminable Christmas carols that seem to start as soon as Halloween is over and continue endlessly, it seems. I had one of my very dear friends complain to me about the pressure that he's feeling to provide ever more expensive Christian, uh, Christmas gifts for his grandchildren. Bah, humbug. Uh, it's hard, right? even at this time of year when we're uh, thinking about celebrating good things and uh, tidings of comfort and joy, uh, calling for Christmas rest, and all we can think about is getting to the new year <laughs> when we might be able to experience a rest from our Christmas holiday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, Jesus says to come to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you'll find it. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my, my burden is light. There's a, a, a bunch of interesting things going on here, especially as we read back into the, some of the context as we did a few moments ago. Uh, a, a lot of interesting contrasts. You've got this whole thing going on uh, around uh, you know, mature people and uh, childlike people. Uh, you've got a contrast between uh, how Jesus acts as a representative of the Father and how we act as people trying to serve our Father. And, and so I just thought I would try to very simply break out what we see going on here between verse 25 and verse 30 uh, with three simple contrasts and statements. So one has to do with who we are as mature people, as adults. Adults are weary and burdened. It's just a fact. The second thing we'll notice is that Jesus is gentle and humble. And then finally, children are easy and light. So let's look at that. that. The first one, adults are weary and burdened. 
If you look back in verse 25, you see Jesus talking about how uh, these things that he's describing uh, are, seem to be hidden from people who are wise and learned. Uh, in other words, people who are mature, adults, you know, people who've been around, uh, the, the people who supposedly understand how things go and have experience, the wise and the learned people, they, these are the people who, who mess this up. <laughs> the people who lose focus on the right things. Uh, in, in contrast, he says, in verse, uh, toward the end of that verse, these are hidden from the wise and learned and revealed to little children. Revealed to little children. Adults are weary and burdened. Come to me, verse 28, all you worn out, beaten down, weary and burdened people. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus said. This concept of a yoke is interesting. I mean, I get it because a lot of times I feel yoked. You know, and I'm not much of a farmer, <laughs> but uh, I've seen these big, heavy wooden things that they put on oxen to get them to head in the right direction. Uh, uh, my wife is from Calgary, and, and, and we go back there every summer, and we always go to the Calgary Stampede, you know, and we watch the, the, these big horses, you know, with, that, are, that are harnessed, and it's a little different than the yoke that's trying, but, but, you know, you get these big, heavy things that control you and force you to go in the way that you are to go, and, you know, it, it, it's not the most appealing metaphor, is it? <laughs> you know, that, that you, would, you would be weighted down by this thing and forced in a particular direction. And I feel that, right? Like, like this idea of being weary and burdened, there's, there's a couple of aspects to it that trouble me. One is just the physical weight of this thing, right? Because life is physically burdensome. And, and it seems like more so the older you get, and the more responsibility you take on, the more you figure out, it seems like people just keep filling your plate, right? <laughs> you know, it's like Christmas dinner, and you're just feeling, like, satisfied that you got through this big plate of meal, and the host comes along and fills your plate again. <laughs> you're like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> physically challenging. <laughs> of course, Christmas dinner, we're quite happy about that, but but, but in life, the, the, the physical burden of more and more and more responsibility, that, that emotional burden, you know, that sense of responsibility, not just physically, but emotionally, it just feels heavy sometimes, doesn't it? And like I say, this is, this is not something I remember feeling quite in the same way when I was young. You know, when I was a child, when I was a, in, in, yeah, my teenage years were full of all kinds of angst, but <laughs> a different kind of thing. The older I get, just the, the heavier some of these things feel at times. Adults are weary and burdened by all kinds of things. We, we wear these yokes of responsibility that, that make us tired and, and challenge us with a sense of, emotional and, uh, well, responsibility. But Jesus describes himself as gentle and humble. It's interesting, in verse 27, 
it describes how all things have been committed to me, that is to Jesus, by his Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and to those to whom the Son chooses to reveal himself. One of the things we're celebrating here at Christmas time, or, or I, should, I guess I should say the chief thing that we are celebrating this here at Christmas time is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus came as the, the um, physical representation of God here on earth, the fact that Jesus came and took upon himself flesh and blood made it possible for us to know our Heavenly Father, to know God. We can know God because he makes himself known, he reveals himself in the world, and one of the primary ways he did that is by sending his son, Jesus, in flesh and blood so that we could hear from him, walk with him, uh, see the examples that he offered, hear the teaching that he, that he presented. We would know God by means of uh, the son taking on human flesh and walking among us. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, and it's an amazing thing. And, the th and so verse uh, 27 there is suggesting to us that the way we know the Father is by means of the Son. And what we discover about the Father as we get to know the Son is that he's awesome. <laughs> you know? He's gentle. He's humble. And you see, that's not what you would have expected right? Like when we think about people in authority, like think about bosses and kings and, and governments. Like what do governments do? They tax you. <laughs> you know? they, they put rules on you, right? Yokes on your neck, right? They hold you accountable to things. This is what people in authority do. They demand things of you, right? And it's not always pleasant. But Jesus comes with the authority of heaven, the authority of God himself, the creator, and he's gentle. And despite him knowing who he was, he humbled himself and took upon himself flesh and blood. It's incredible. So when we think about the, our, the, this, our sense of weariness and burdens because of the yokes that we wear, we need to understand that when we come to him, the yoke that we take upon us, the burden that we bear, is gentle. It's humble. Adults are weary and burdened. Jesus is gentle and humble. Children are easy and light. I, I've... I'm experiencing this again now in life, now that I have grandchildren. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, we saw this a bit with our own children, but now that we have the grandchildren to play with, it's just incredible. When you play with a kid who just has none of these adult senses of responsibility, <laughs> just free and easy to run and play and experience joy until literally they're just, they can't do anymore and they just stop. <laughs> you know, wherever they are, it doesn't matter. They'll just stop, lie down, and sleep. 
know, it's incredible. Now, I, I, I'm not naive here. I know that kids get frustrated sometimes, and I know they get tense and they get upset sometimes. Usually when a parent or a grandparent or an adult is putting some kind of restriction on them, you know, telling them they have to stop their play, telling them they have to eat, telling them they have to do something they don't want to do. I mean, you know, but, but in themselves, there's just this joyful... I was playing with my, my granddaughter the other day. <laughs> she, she was, uh, I think, 20 months old. And uh, she was in my bedroom, and I stacked up all these pillows on my bed, and I just picked her up, this little girl, and I just, was just tossing her into the pillows. It was fun. <laughs> just like she weighed nothing. And I just pick her up and I'm tossing her into the pillows. And she's just squealing with joy. Just, ah, you know, just over and over. I got tired of it. <laughs> she didn't get tired. She's like, again, again, grandpa, again. <laughs> you know, just over and over. I'm the one that got tired, you know. And there's a metaphor there. There's a picture there for us about people who can come to the place where we're just able to rest in our Father's care and in his gentleness and just to find the joy in it, the merriness in it, that we can rest in it and to know that there's a Father who's paying the bills. <laughs> you know? There's a Father who's taking care of the business. There's a father that's making the provisions. And all we have to do is just respond and, and, and be in the joy of that and experience the rest that he makes possible by his care. God, rest you. Mary, gentlemen and women. Let nothing you dismay. Tidings of comfort and joy. When the, uh, the angels came in Bethlehem right, and announced the coming of this, this child, this, this, this physical representation of God, what did they announce? Tidings of comfort and joy. Peace on earth. Goodwill to all of us. Rest for our souls. I love that. You will come unto me, you will find rest for your souls. I think one of, one of my takeaways here is that when I am feeling restless, one of the things I've got to check for, one of the things I need to be careful about, if I'm feeling restless, there might be something wrong with my soul. It might be that I haven't adequately appreciated the grace that God has made available to me in the gospel. It might be that I've lost confidence in some way in the coming of God's kingdom and the thing that God is doing on this earth. In physics, 
I've told you before, I'm not much of a scientist, <laughs> but uh, if I know a little bit about these things in, in physics, uh, this, this idea of, like when something is at rest, it means it is lacking motion, right? Stasis, uh, inertia, this, this settled uh, state of being fixed, <laughs> this, this, this state of motionless, motionlessness. To say something is at rest is to say it is no longer in motion. Am I right? Okay, there is a bit of a problem with this theologically for us. And that is because the world is in motion. God has set the world in motion. We are moving somewhere. The world is on a trajectory, the trajectory of the kingdom, and we have not yet experienced it fully and completely. We are not yet in a position of perfect rest. For now, we have to bear the yoke. For now, we have to keep moving, keep pursuing the things of God. Lord, give us strength to... to be able to pursue the things you're calling us to. Lord, give us a sense of, of comfort and joy. Even as we're moving, we are actively engaged in pursuit of the things that you have promised us that one day we will know in fullness. Amen? Amen. That one day, that perfect peace, that heavenly peace, that rest that we will experience forever in the presence of God, not quite there yet. I mean, we've, we've, we've known God. He's come and made himself known. He's initiated the process. He set this thing in motion, and we are on that journey. Our, our future is secure. Our destination is settled. We will be there, and we can live in anticipation of that perfect rest. For now, for now we bear the, the yoke, and we do it easily. We experience it's lightness, and we know the joy and the comfort that comes because we believe that God's got us. It's the thing that he is doing, and it has a purpose and an end. You still with me? There's a there's an interesting thing about that carol, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. It's a bit of a grammatical oddity that I, I, I'm a little weird. I like noticing things like punctuation. <laughs> and uh, There's a weird kind of punctuation issue with respect to this title, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. And it depends on where you put the comma. Whether you put the comma after the word you or after the word Mary. And I'm told that originally the comma was placed after the word Mary and somehow over the years it got shifted uh, to show after the word you. 
And that's a bit of an issue. It's a little bit like that, um, that old joke, you know, about the panda who eats, shoots, and leaves. Do you know that one? There's a book. I'll, I'll read, read this to you. Um, do you know this, this book? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a fun book about punctuation, if you can imagine such a thing. <laughs> it's funny, actually. It is. A, a panda, a panda bear, walks into a cafe orders a sandwich, eats it, then draws a gun and fires two shots in the air. Why? asks the confused waiter as the panda makes towards the exit. The panda produces a badly punctuated wildlife manual and tosses it over his shoulder. I'm a panda, he says at the door. Look it up. The waiter turns to the relevant entry and sure enough finds an explanation. Panda. Large black and white bear-like mammal, native to China, eats, shoots, and leaves. <laughs> if you don't get it, look it up. <laughs> but it's all about where the comma lies. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so God rest you, merry gentlemen. Now, the way we have have uh, sung that, the way it was punctuated on our screen, sadly, <laughs> maybe we'll fix it for next year. <laughs> is uh, uh, after the word you. So it's like, and it's not a terrible thing, but, but you know, that we are these merry, gentle people. <laughs> you know, like, like we're in life pursuing merriness. Eat, drink, and be merry because we might die tomorrow. Uh, th th that kind of thing. And so in all of these merry pursuits, that what we really need is to be rested. So it's, it's a call that we stop from all our merrymaking and rest. Okay, that's, that's not a terrible thing to sing, so it's okay. <laughs> but look what happens when you shift the comma. God rest you merry, gentle people. Okay, you got to now get into some word definition. So the way the word rest was understood in ancient times was uh, not just taking a nap. It was more the uh, definition consistent with the physics that I talked about earlier. It's the state of being kept. The state of, you could say, keptness. So we are in the hands of a keeper. God, in this case. God keep you. Now the word Mary. When we hear the word Mary, we think like being frivolous. You know, being silly, perhaps. You know, being, oh, <laughs> that's Mary, right? And, and we, because of all our burdens and weariness, we think that that's a good thing to pursue, right? So, you know, we use substances. We, we, we have all kinds of things that we do and put ourselves in contact with in order to attain this state of, oh, <laughs> you know, so that we don't feel quite so weary. You understand? But the ancient meaning of the word Mary was actually to be blessed. To be blessed. So the original meaning of that, that expression was God keep you in a state of blessing. Gentle people. <laughs> God keep you blessed in his care, in his wisdom, for his purpose. And that's the blessing I'd want to 
offer you today. Now, to just take it a little bit further, I find it really interesting. The reason I went back and read the previous verses is because, and I know that I'm kind of importing a Christmas carol to read this text, but I think it's interesting. When we go back to verse 20, what do we see there? Do we see blessings? No, we see cursings. Cursings. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. These are the places, you've got to understand, Jesus was describing all of this uh, in, in this region on the, uh, uh, the eastern shores of the Sea of Galilee to these towns where he had been performing miracles. He'd been out there doing these amazing things. He'd been teaching. He'd been present. All the, remember we said that Jesus' incarnation was about making God the Father known to people? Well, that's what Jesus was doing. Works of miracles and healings and incredible teaching all up and down the coastline there. Incredible. And the people were rejecting him. And Jesus says, woe to you. Woe to you. It's going to be better for Tyre and Sidon. You know, they, they, they would, these, these coastal towns, uh, part of modern-day Lebanon, I, you know, they would have listened. If I, I came to you, you won't listen. If I'd gone to them, they would have listened. <laughs> you know, it's pretty interesting. Uh, Karen and I were over there in that region uh, a few months ago. And uh, we went to Chorazin. And there's nothing left except a pile of rocks. We also, interestingly, went to Sidon uh, in Lebanon a few days later. And it was an incredible, lively, vibrant place you know, on the coast there. I don't want to make too much of that, but it's interesting. You know, like when you stand in those places and you reflect on God's cursing and blessing and, and you stand in this place that had all of the opportunity and see the ruin there. These empty homes, just rocks on the ground, this, this temple broken down and lifeless. And I could tell you that in that place, in my spirit, I felt a sense of restlessness. A deep sense of holy restlessness. Because the kingdom has not yet come in fullness. There are people who still need to receive the grace of God in Jesus Christ. I still need to bear the yoke for now. But it's a yoke that I'm striving to wear joyfully. And to know its gentleness and its lightness because it is achieving a glorious thing. A glorious thing. Our efforts to produce merriness for ourselves. It's no wonder we end up in a, in a Scrooge-like kind of bitterness. I offer you something better instead. 
peace on earth, good will to men, rest for your souls. Come to me, Jesus said. And receive this blessing 